I might I might get up on it for my intro, but then I'll back up. So sure, sure. Um, hey, before we get any further, um, this episode's probably gonna have some trigger warnings for some not great race stuff. If that's something you just absolutely don't want to engage with, fair enough. We're gonna handle as best we can. We are both deeply white, so we'll see how that goes. Anyway, on with your opening. Time, space, mystery. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless deductions, where a single choice can branch out into Watson almost being murdered by children, (laughs) creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am Mike Knoll. I am your guide through Wisteria Lodge. Follow me and ponder the question. Why does this one exist? Hello, welcome back to A Study in Granada, a bi-weekly podcast for I, Mike Noah, fan but not expert of the Sherlock Holmes canon, especially the 1980s Granada series starring Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwick. I'm joined by my friend Jackson Eflin. Uh, this week we're covering Wisteria Lodge, and I'll tell you what, gang, we looked at each other when this was, uh, one was over and went, what if we just don't? What if we don't this time? Uh, well, we are dedicated to our art of um, finishing what we started. You're familiar with our methods. Familiar with uh, methods, and it is punishing ourselves for existing. I this like so many of the stories didn't make the jump from page to Granada, and I have to wonder whether like we have like yes, Wisteria Lodge, like we must do this one. I have a theory, but it, and it has to do with the other detective. But we can get to that once we get through what is almost guaranteed to be a roller coaster of a synopsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, oh boy. Um, oh, fun fact. Uh, there is a character in the show and story that's based on, uh, that uses a, uh, outdated and offensive term for a mixed race person. However, that character is the cook. So I'm just gonna call him the cook whenever it comes up. Um, did you make any notes on the SIG document? I did not. Okay, that's cool. I, I don't have topics, so it's, you don't have to. I was just gonna pull them up to, like, as if we needed to jump topic to topic, but... Moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. hypnotic. Long, incredibly unbroken sentence. Moving from from topic to topic. Quite hypnotic. Um, Yeah. Oh, boy. Go ahead and put if you since you're typing if you'll put um, the other de- the country detective or whatever we should probably touch on yeah. that weird man. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, there's really just nothing here. Cool. So you can go to that. You can turn off the fan now that it's not quite so hot. Let me, um, I, was, I had a thought about, um, oh, we don't have to talk about this, but. No, this was, oh no, um, uh. This is not Friday's well, but I know what I'm talking about. Sure. Okay. We can also get rid of fun facts about spring papers. I no longer have those. Oh, couldn't we bring in some more of those to let me move? 
I can talk. I guess I get to talk about sports. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me. I'll snap this back in so that way it'll help with your with the edit since this is your edit. Sure. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna hit a summary. Let's just get that yeah. out of the way. Let's go for it. Oof. So this is as always from uh, ArthurCornelius.com. God bless them for giving just a gold mine of content. Furious and distraught, a client, Scott Eccles, burst into Baker Street. Invited to a mysterious lodge by Garcia, he was received without consideration and totally forgotten after the arrival of, of a mysterious letter. The next morning, when he woke up, the house was empty. Holmes lost the mysterious lodge when Inspector Baines arrives, who found the enigmatic letter revealed. Who found the enigmatic letter received the day before by Garcia brutally murdered in the night. The inspector, who wanted to investigate alone, asked Watson to rent two bicycles left from London without explanation, as and as soon as he returned, headed for High Gable, where Henderson lived, a compelling and violent character he suspected. Watson, joining his friend, saw Miss Burnett, the housekeeper, clearly in distress behind a window. Under the pretext of historical research, Holmes asked to see Henderson, who quickly, who quickly dismissed him. Holmes was anxious for the governess and very upset when Baines, uh, rejecting her advice, arrested uh, Garcia's cook. Desperate to get a warrant for Henderson, the detective rushed to High Gable on a bicycle with Watson to rescue Miss Baronet. This is not even fun. Yeah. What? Like, <laughs> Why is this one the one that failed us? Um, thrown in pursuit of the car that takes her to the station, they will arrive just... <laughs> Love a tense change in the middle of us. synopsis. There we go. Uh, thrown in pursuit of the train that took her to the station, they will arrive just in time to save her. In reality, the arrest of the cook was a Bane's trick that also... Sp- <laughs> That's that new um, chess show on Netflix, right? Yeah, a Bane's trick. <laughs> that also suspected Henderson. As Holmes learned in London, Henderson was actually Murillo, a dictator in exile from San Pedro. Miss Burnett, widow of Mr. Durando, murdered by Murillo as Garcia's father, sure, was spying on the tyrants, but it was taken with a letter indicating to Garcia where the bloodthirsty despot he was to execute the sleep. But it was taken with a letter indicating to Garcia where the... Nope, that was... Yeah, I got it. Uh, tortured, the housekeeper delivered the name Garcia, whom Murillo massacred. But Garcia's faithful servants gave him the train that takes the tyrant and his damned soul. <laughs> Shit. In charge of avenging the victims. Okay. Damn. Uh, and his so, damn soul, I guess. All right. So, most of this episode is just the history of San Pedro and yeah. And uh, to summarize the summary. Uh-huh. Um. Holmes gets a case from a client who went to a dinner party and then was kind of ignored. When he woke up, nobody was there. A bunch of stuff happens. Uh, it turns out that a guy got murdered by a tyrant in exile, and then some more people tried to murder him. Eventually, some succeeded. See, it's weird how when you say it, it sounds like a really interesting... I was like, oh, that sounds like it'll be really fun. So spicy. Ooh. Yeah, and it's just not... Um, yeah. It... What we notice is that this is barely a Sherlock Holmes story. This is more of a like crimes and espionage with exiled tyrant story, and Sherlock Holmes is there watching things happen. So I want to start talking about with the country detective Baines because I think that's where the, I can see the wheels moving of why this exists the way it or the, well the way it does, not why it exists. Period. <laughs> no one knows that. Only watching the Watcher. <laughs> 
Baines is essentially meant to be. Well, uh, what's the name from um, from Silver Blaze? The the poor student we always joked about. Like, I'm a keen student of your methods too, Mister Holmes. Either way, he's meant to be that guy, but like like actually a keen student because a lot of the times he's a match for Holmes. Like he's like, oh yeah, I, I also checked this. And like with the letter, he's like, oh, normal cream color paper cut with two snips. Like he does all that, and Holmes is like. Yeah, pretty good, but you missed a couple things, and it's like not anything important. It's like they used like a sleeve button to press the wax, and also it was bent nail clippers that did the cutting. So, haha, still better. And it's like, what? Yeah, the bent nail clippers. Oh, that's nothing. That was just for Holmes to get a little bit of a one up. Okay, sure. I don't think that ever came back or was important. Of course. But like, it's in a lot of these we'll see country detectives who are like oh i'm also a keen student of your methods or oh miss of course mr holmes i also try to think outside the box and then they never do mm-hmm. and this was supposed to be the guy who like oh yeah no actually i did it like mm-hmm. i actually pretty much solved it. it's like in all honesty really didn't need you here yeah Sherlock holmes is not to be in the story i mean neither does baines it's like the guy's going to um yeah how is that phrased uh <clears throat> Garcia's faithful servants getting on the train will. Uh, Garcia's faithful servants will get on the train that takes his damn tire. Garcia's faithful servants are getting on the train and take that damn tire into hell. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. hell train, classic hell Sherlock Holmes story. <laughs> like, I but I mean to say, like, I get why Baines exists the way he does. It's meant to subvert every country detective we have seen since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, vamping, 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 uh, vamping. Hold on. Vamping, vamping. Uh, so, for a record, this was the 38th Sherlock Holmes story oh. published. So, I can see how the idea of, like, what if, oh no, what if uh, <laughs> the country detective actually is, like, that good? Like, it's just a guy. He has no acclaim because he's like, lives in the country. As he says in the thing, something about these clean, pastoral, whatever, can dull the keen... He gives basically kind of the same thing as Holmes. Like, yeah, it's pretty boring out here. So when we get a good one, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab it. And the kind of implication is that he's wasted out here in the country. He should be solving crimes in the big city. I took it maybe a little bit less, like, negative on the country and more of just, like, I mean, it's it's also, it's a living. Ah, sure. Kind of thing. But, um... It that does not lend itself to an interesting story. I love how you hesitated over whether you're going to get a drink of tea or another drink of fuck. We're we never have cocktails with these. This one was a lot. Um, but I like that. I, I see that. I get why that decision was made. It is the worst possible idea for a narrative story in which we watch Sherlock Holmes go to solve a mystery, and then it turns out the other guy pretty much knew everything all along, and so everything that they did was absolutely meaningless. Deeply unneeded. And then we just got a 20-minute like history lesson about the fake country of San Pedro and its brutal dictator and his n- nanny governess, who's also the wife of an expat, and yeah. the resistance movement to assassinate him with very specific decorative pistols. <laughs> Yes, I mean, listen, uh, I respect that part at least. I understand um, choosing choosing drama over everything else in an assassination. Oh, sorry. What? You? No. <laughs> uh, listen, listen uh, this is why the pink pistols don't really get much done. Um, yeah, also... I, so I didn't know the story going in. Why would I? So I assumed that like, the detective was going to be in on it or something, because he is so sinister. Like, this actor is playing him like 
He's going to like open his mouth and spiders will come out. It is very much that feel of every horror movie set in like a weird town where everything everybody says is creepy for no reason. Yeah. Like uh, to quote the good place, what a what a fun way to phrase a totally normal. What a fun way to say a totally normal thing. Exactly. And it is kind of like that, but like in a spooky way. Mm-hmm. And I get what you mean. Like the whole time, it's like this is just like weird. The energy of this episode is weird. Yeah. Um. And it's not like. And it's not like this is one where the kind of like leads into the horror vibe. You know, like the Devil's Foot has kind of a like. Uh, implication of devil's yeah. madness and stuff. This one is just like some guys went missing. A guy got got stabbed in a swamp. Like, oh no! No, no, he didn't get stabbed. He was hit in the back of the head with a, like a sock full of sand. Oh god, yeah, he was. And it is honestly the funniest part of the episode. Oh. <laughs> this guy, it is honestly, it feels like a Wes Anderson movie at that point because of the way that the fight happens. As we said, Granada fight choreography is never like really keenly good this was very much like a guy came out of nowhere kind of hit him in the back of the head once they dance around a, he hits him a couple of times the guy falls down and then he just stands over him and it's like one two not even particularly brutally and then just leaves <laughs> good enough well it throws a pistol into the swamp but it's just this like very weird like almost petulant like one two at the end and then like leaves mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess bag of sand is probably a perfectly fine weapon, probably good to have around. It's the kind of thing you could probably pass off as not being a weapon if you, like, need to pass an area and not seem suspicious. You're in a swamp. You're alone in the woods. You could just bring a gun. You have a gun there. Yeah, but one guy brought a gun. (laughs) He brought a gun to a bag of sand fight, and you still won with the bag of sand. God, I love PUBG. Um... Do we want to go ahead and touch on some of the heavier topics while we have a few lighter, not lighter, but more enjoyable things to talk about to pepper in so we don't just get real heavy right at the end? Um, yeah, so um, Baines is relatively effective. He does, like, cut up on some clues, like the, the scissors that were used to cut the thing. That was what Holmes caught. You gotta pay attention. Sorry. The- you saw what you did not observe, so I'll let you finish this <laughs> episode, I promise. Um, which, did that actually come up at all? No, again, that's the thing. The 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 sleeve button vaguely did when they showed the flashback of Henderson um, resealing the letter with the yes. sleeve button. The the bent nail clippers, no. Okay. Anyway, um, however, none of the detections actually matter that much for getting things done. Baines's whole thing is he just arrests the black cook and then assumes that the guys who did the crime will think, oh. Cool. They caught someone where you can be sloppy now. And mm-hmm. uh, they do that. And then he's like, oh, it's fine. We just let him go. We beat him severely for a bit before that happened. It sucks. <laughs> um, his whole detective plan is just arresting a black man for this crime he did not commit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and here the episode does a thing where they realize that the portrayal in the book was not great. So they kind of cut some of it out. But also, in doing so, they leave a plot hole. Um, in the uh, in the episode, uh, the cook comes back to look in the window and is seen and chased for mm-hmm. a bit in a weirdly slow action scene. Yeah, that was so watching watching Watson chase that man, especially the bit where he climbs like a rickety ladder, picks it up and then breaks it, and then just like looks at Watson in the face like we a fucking do, <laughs> and then like hustle hustle in quotes <laughs> hustles off. And that's like a scene from like a comedy where it's supposed to be like. A gritty actual thriller, but it's set in, uh, this is, this is not going to go there, whatever, it's fine. Um, anyway, 
the guy comes to the house, looks in the window, sees there are people there, runs away, and then is arrested. We never find out why he was there in the episode. Uh, okay. Did we? Is that thing? No, I don't think so. In the story, uh, his reasoning was that he was a uh, voodoo practitioner and he had like oh. a holy symbol that was left in the house he was coming back for. The way this is described is in some really, really shitty language that um, Sherlock, sorry, Conan Doyle clearly had some had read some spicy papers about um, uh, about like about voodoo practices in uh, in the Americas uh, and work that into the story, and it's not great. There's some some real real hot takes about. Um, uh, the connection between race, religion, and violence there. And it sucks. Uh, just for my own edification, who espouses these ideas in the story? Um, Watson, I assume? Or is it like Baines or... Uh, I want to say it might have been Sherlock himself. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, sorry. Uh, that's fine. I, oh, no. I can't believe Sherlock Holmes was problematic. Yeah, I know. It, um, because we love Jeremy Brett, we love a lot of this show, It's I kind of... Forget that Sherlock is a man of his That's times. That's fine. The five orange pips involve something to do with the KKK. Oh so boy. It's wild. I don't know if we're going to get to that this, in this series. I know the story. But just fine. It's a bad story. Okay. I mean, in content, in intent, and in the writing, it's not interesting. It's oh, bad. Okay. And it's also probably... Last I read it was in like middle school. So it's also probably deeply bad. Uh, but anyway... Um, I got through the testimony of Mr. Scott Eccles and that I was like, oh, I could just not read the story. That's fine. And so I didn't. So Jackson is more up the, on the story than I am. I couldn't. I was kind of skimming it. I, I usually, usually if there's a version, it's at the end of the story. We're like, we get to the summation. Sure. So I was still like looking at that. And boy, howdy, we got some not great stuff. So um, it sucks a lot because voodoo is a religion slash religious group. It's complicated. Sure. That, um, gets used as like the horror religion a right. lot and it sucks so I was doing a um, I did a class where we were studying horror and thing that I mentioned like uh, the portrayal of voodoo in a thing we were watching or reading or whatever and it was wait that's a real religion oof um, so yeah I don't know sorry this oh, no. like a cut I'm just, I just no 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 you're fine we... I have a lot of like as a person who practices a minority religion I have a lot of like uh sympathetic feelings about people who also do no it's it's bad like i mean we shouldn't shy away uh is there anything else that we should talk about maybe that's any that's vaguely heavy before we get back into uh our fun japes and the comedy that this podcast is definitely known for yeah right um i will say this episode is kind of scary foreigners Mm -hmm. um in a lot of different ways uh it doesn't necessarily say that all foreigners are bad because you have also some... Not all foreigners. We can <laughs> cut that. We can cut that. It's fine. Because um, you do have some like heroic foreigners who are um, trying to you know stop a tyrant, all that jazz. Which, that's cool. But it is still definitely a like look at the spicy things they're doing off in South America and how exciting and violent they are. Um, so, yikes. So, to get back to a lighter note, it is very funny to me on the train... When, uh, after Baines is like, oh yeah, no, I've got men on the train. They'll definitely get him. And then we cut to the train where Henderson's like, oh God, they're going to get me. Oh my God, everything's ruined. What's going to happen? And you just see both of the henchmen of Garcia. Also the fact that they call him Garcia the whole time is very funny to me. Of Garcia's henchmen just 
like poking their heads up through the window and slowly the door opens and you just see two pistols enter crossed through the doorway. It's like a Three Stooges gag. <laughs> and the episode ends with like the gunshot sound from the exterior. We see the exterior of the trance again. Shot sound. But it's just very funny. It's like this Three Stooges. Like they're just poking this door and they're like, okay, okay. okay. Shh. Is it like slide these pistols and cross? It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um... Pizza update, it's in the oven. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll see if that makes the that cut. Stays in. Okay. Um, the pizza that I ordered at Domino's is in the oven, everyone, just in case you were wondering. Oh, so excited for that. Uh, um, oh, okay. All right, go ahead, sorry. Oh, um, bust with butts. I have no more big topics. <laughs> oh, so Henderson, this, this tyrant, does have uh, a really cool set where he has like a, yeah. like a throne. A, yeah, like a throne, throne room in this old house or whatever with yeah. his scary ghost children. The funny, I, I keep saying the funniest thing. I, I was grasping at anything was how he got it, he got Dr. John Watson was almost strangled to death by two little girls. <laughs> uh, and there's a girl who wear all white, um, like white dresses, white socks, white shoes, very like. And yeah, when Watson spots the the governess, he's crouching in the bushes with these just this enormous spyglass, and suddenly is jumped by both of these children. And one of them clearly just has her arms around his neck, ostensibly for like a piggyback ride. It looks like she has a chokehold on Watson. And the other one's kind of spinning him around. And Edward Hardwick takes this wild spinning run through the yard and into the house while these two little girls ostensibly attempt to murder him. (laughs) And it's very funny to me that like when David Burke signed on to do the first series, his thing was, I'm not going to be Nigel Bruce, who is Basil Rathbone's Watson. The idea of Watson being this ultimate bumbling, I say, Holmes, that's magic. Like, I'm useless, was Nigel Bruce's kind of doing. Like, that's his legacy, which, take it or leave it as you will. I'm not casting judgment. David Burke was like, I'm not doing that. So what? Like, what's a way that I can be useful and interesting? And we can expound with Apocrypha that Edward Hardwick was like, I also want more things to say. I want to be a little bit smarter. And the fact that he was almost murdered by two little girls makes it deeply funnier to me. I will say that... For the record, Watson, not Edward Hardwick. I don't believe Edward Hardwick was almost murdered by two little girls. But <laughs> as of time of recording. Yeah. I will say that changes between time of recording and when released this episode. That's going to be some spicy Twitter cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, you said spicy a lot. I, I said spicy a lot. I don't know. It's... Uh, two little girls almost killed Watson. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's my mantra. Um, I, I also get it that like if you are an adult man and you're being attacked by children, you don't want to hurt the kids. Mm-hmm. So it can be what? Kind of... Oh, y- yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, kidding. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess that there's like kind of a how do we deal with this? And the idea of like this guy having child soldiers who are his own children is deeply unsettling. Not really gotten yeah. into. Stephen Moffat, turn off the podcast before you hear that idea. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you have anything else? I don't have any other big topics. You know, I say having brought many of the big topics to the table. Sure. Uh, or we're on to monographs otherwise. Um, do you want to change the second testimony? No, it's fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. It would have, if I was going to talk about it, it would have been during the country detective thing. But honestly, it was just the idea of like, why'd they change that from the show? But it's fine. It doesn't need to happen. Um, a line I really like. Um, there's, um, 
uh, that bit where uh, we're just talking about how like uh, the husband that he hurried to eternity. That's just a fun phrase. Mm-hmm. Hurried to eternity. Good, good euphemism for murder. There's some good uh, turns of phrase. I know one that you were particularly like from Copper Beaches was um, enticements, metallic or otherwise, or something like that. Yeah. Was another one like. Um, so I have one monograph really for this episode. There's a bit um, at the beginning where Holmes is doing one of his, like, you know, once every six months laments about how uninteresting crime is now, mm-hmm. how crime in the past was better, uh, <laughs> and he mentions. We'll put put the clip in here. Um, I did some digging just because I was curious. In the story, it's more explicit that the Red Men, the Adventure of the Red-Headed Men, is the Red-Headed League. Uh, they mentioned by name the Five Orange Pips. And then they mentioned Colonel Carruthers, which I looked into it. Because uh, I thought maybe if, if Solitary Cyclist was the story right before this, then maybe there would be some more like, oh, that's what they mean. Because Carruthers is the name of the guy in Solitary Cyclist who is employing that Violet. <laughs> There's like three violets in the first season. I forgot what their last name. Uh, Hunter, maybe? I think so. Uh, and so I looked it up. The Red-Headed League was the second story published. The Five Orange Pips was the fifth. The Solitary Cyclist was the 28th. And this was the 38th. Uh, I looked into it some more. And by searching another Sherlock Holmes wiki, there was a link about Colonel Carruthers, which led to a page that referenced this story and how he was referenced in it and nothing else. So I don't believe it's Carruthers. From the solitary cyclist, but um, the first two were specifically mentioned. I also bring that up because for the first time in a long time, we have a reference to a mystery that doesn't exist. Yay! We've been so, so long. Jackson. Yeah. What happened that got Colonel Carruthers locked up? All he says is the locked that since we since we locked up Colonel Carruthers. That is the only reference, the only information we have. Okay, so obviously, normally when someone gets locked up, we mean they they're arrested. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened here. Okay. Um. Uh, this is Holmes and Watson who had to basically break this man up in a wall as part of their scheme. Uh. Okay. So, oh, of course. He had some casts of a Montiato that they were interested in purchasing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Sorry, if I stepped on your bit, we'll just cut there. And... No, we're... Okay. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't have a plan beyond breaking open the walls. We're going to cut out yes and this. Yeah, so... Um, uh, in order to get some secrets out of a guy who they knew was very into very pretty kinds of wine, they needed to buy some Montiato in a hurry. They were all sold out. The only guy who had any was Colonel Brothers. And so uh, Holmes like, ah, of course, shoves him into a wall, breaks him up, locks him up that way, uh, steals, uh, takes all his wine, promises to pay for it later, you know, phones Minecraft, so like, hey, Minecraft, make this happen for me. Um, they get this guy drunk, uh, he spills all the beans about the murder or forged money or... Or the forged and, murder. The, yeah, the forged murder, whatever. Uh, and they, um, they pro- hopefully they unbreak that guy. It's never set up in the story, so, you know. He may, may still be there. I'm not sure why Holmes resorted to breaking him up, but I guess that's just where he was at. It was one of those days. So I was checking to see if I still had the line where they actually talked about it, because uh, it sounds like they committed the crime. <laughs> yes. Okay. I do love that Holmes' lament about how uninteresting crime has been involves 
Yeah, like that really interesting crime I did. Listen, so, so you know how Slim Holmes will like do experiments on like human tissue or um, paint and that kind of thing? Uh-huh. To try to figure out how like to better understand how like science happens. Mm-hmm. Here he's doing some crime to better understand how crime happens. He was gonna write a monograph about how long it takes brick mortar to set and how a person could escape in that amount of time and mm-hmm. and he'd be a test subject like Colonel Crowders. Mm-hmm. Kind of two birds, one stone, as it were. Sorry, sorry. Two birds, four stone bricks. All right. Uh, do you have any other monographs? <clears throat> um, there's a weird shot where like zoom in on someone's eye for no reason for like two frames. This also was very heavy in the mirror uh, shots that yeah. we see with somebody in a mirror. Isn't if I remember, isn't the one where somebody's holding up a hand mirror? Yeah. It's like we couldn't put a mirror in this scene, so we found a way. Mm-hmm. Mirrors find a way. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Let me pull up our notes. I don't have really any others. So, with the pizza coming out of the oven, Domino's making sure it's, quote, perfecto, uh, we move on to Must Clash. Also, yeah. this is apparently sponsored by Domino's. We'll just give them a quick shout-out. Uh, let's see. Who do we have from Must Clash? Um, there are only two people with mean, Look, this guy I, and... Uh, her name is Lucas, I guess. I don't know. I sure. think one of the conspirators. And then the cook. I'm going to say the cook. He doesn't beat Dr. Leon Sterndale. No, None of them are going to. But no. I think, like we talked about with the Paris Museum curator, there's something about his mustache. It's not as full, but it the, the whole look kind of contributes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the cook. And then we just continue with Dr. Leon Sterndale as the champion of the season with his quote, absolute shelf of well no his absolute quote shelf of a beard i don't believe megan said absolute shelf <laughs> yeah uh absolutely so um thanks mr the cook you tried you done you done your best you almost bit off a cop's thumb yeah honestly that's a thing that happened when they arrested him i forgot that thing. <laughs> yep the thing is they introduced baines and then that guy like officer whatever his name is that guy never appeared again until the cook almost bit us off just as a reference and that was meant to elicit some kind of sympathy of just like oh no that other guy that was named earlier that's it hey so not the point exactly but why didn't Holmes go oh you locked up a guy who was there for some of when this crime or whatever happened I'm gonna go talk to that guy and ask some questions you know like a detective would do I'm sorry we can cut this if we need to but um knowing you and the way your mind works for a second, I wrote there and say, hey, so, um, bite off cops' thumbs. I really thought for a minute that was where that was sentence was going to go. I mean, listen, if you're, if you're being racially profiled and arrested for a crime you did not commit, and you got to bite someone's thumb off, I get it. All right, so Dr. Leon Sterndale continues on <laughs> as the Series 4 <laughs> champion of Musk Clash. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I really don't. My eyes for this one... <laughs> Okay. Wow. Stealing jokes from my own sister. I, I'm real I'm very uninspired from this one. That's fair. Uh my only plug is that I have another show called Equalizers with my friend and colleague Madison Jones, where we take uh, movies that never got a sequel or a prequel and we give them one. Either they are very good and they don't deserve one, or they're very bad and they don't need one. And we definitely I messed that lining up. But you can find us everyone online by searching the Equalizers. 
Uh, as of your hearing this, we have definitely released both of our Great Gatsby episodes, one with the Robert Redford version and the other being Madison's <laughs> wild quantum leap pitch for the Leo DiCaprio version. Uh, you'll also hear our sequel to Tom Cruise's The Mummy, and potentially, by the time you're hearing this, other Halloween episodes, <laughs> TBD. <laughs> uh, but you can find us everywhere online by searching the Equalizers. That's E Q U E L I Z E R S, like in sequel. Next time, it's the Bruce Partington plans. We're rare to meet thy go. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, next time, it's going to be the Bruce Partington plans. I was looking it up just to make sure I knew it was mm-hmm. coming. And. Uh, we're going to have a contender for Musclash. Yeah, so I guess more accurately, based off of what I've heard from people who have read or seen this, next time, it's the Naval Treaty again, but probably better in oh, the Bruce Partington plans. But, but this one was already the Naval Treaty. <laughs> no, I mean the plot of the Naval Treaty. Oh, boy. Ostensibly, it's apparently very similar in plot to the Naval Treaty, which I means so is the second stain. Um, I've heard it's a better version. Oh, cool. I look forward to seeing uh, a retread of the Naval Treaty. Uh, Go ahead. Repair. Repair. Repair to me, like, I thought you were, I was like, you, it seemed like you were in the fall, so I was going to have you do it, and then you went, Repair. And I went, oh, Repair. I thought that was just going to be a bit, but. Repair. We'll see what stays in the 